pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to episode 13 of Inside Atlanta Football. I'm News Gazette sports editor Matt Daniels. Illinois football beat writer Colin Likas is in the studio as well. Social distance. Correct. Like we've been through this whole... See, well, I guess it's not the only way we can do it. There are two mics right next to each other, but <laughs> there doesn't seem like much reason to That'd be weird. That'd, that be like, that'd be like in the days before the pandemic, because I, I mean, I haven't been inside a restaurant in over a year. Um, You're not that'd, be, that'd be like in the days where... And I never did this really, but you would sit next to someone mm-hmm. at dinner, yeah. just like instead of across the table, which I always found kind of strange and odd, but yeah. that's neither here nor there, I guess. I, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. All right. We're off to a roaring start talking <laughs> Illinois football in <laughs> the <laughs> beginning minute of this podcast, but uh, it's sunny out, Colin. It Warm. was really nice weather-wise Saturday at Memorial Stadium yeah. where you were at for mm. the third spring practice of the Brett Bielema era. So right. week, week one of spring ball is in the books. In Colin. the books. In the books w- with a success. I think the highlight obviously is Bob Osmussen is back. Mm-hmm. He was at practice on Saturday after a uh, pub- uh, publicized uh, stint to, to take care of his health. Mm-hmm. So we're glad that Bob is back and Brett Bielema was nice enough to shout him out on Zoom again on, on Saturday afternoon when Brett did his uh, conference call. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, spring, spring ball week one is in the books. Um, Brett Bielema said, you know, he's pretty happy with how it's going. Said, you know, he's always going to think about making adjustments. He said, if you're not adjusting, not thinking about adjusting, you're always going to be going backward in his mm-hmm. view. So it probably wasn't 100% perfect, but he said there were no major injuries. Maybe a couple guys that are going to be out a week or two, but not for the rest of spring ball at this point. Um, and yeah, I think uh, the biggest talking point is one we'll get to here shortly. It's just uh, a certain athlete who is not on campus, which I've probably I think I've talked about in uh, sports talk at some mm-hmm. point last week. And as you've well. written about it. Yeah, so pe- people probably know who I'm talking about unless they were on vacation for the last week or something like well, that. Well, we'll uh, we won't tease this any mo- any longer. That's <laughs> not really a big tease anyway. <laughs> but uh, Mike Epstein not on campus. Uh, the veteran Illinois running back. Um, what we we talked about this in the off mm-hmm. off the air, Colin, just here around the office these past few months, as as you saw. All these Illinois players, whether it was seniors or mm-hmm. others, um, just give notice on, on what they were doing for the yep. 20, 2021 season. Uh, we had not heard publicly from Mike no. Epstein on, on whether he was coming back or not. And right. he was obviously eligible. He was the guy that went through senior day festivities last December mm-hmm. when Illinois hosted Iowa. Um, but kind of reading the tea leaves you would think mm-hmm. he would be back but we're still kind of uncertain at this yeah moment. he's the only one who never really took to social media to offer up any any thoughts like even daniel barker went on social media <laughs> and offered up thoughts and he's he was a junior like yeah. there, there was no real reason for him to do so he just wanted to let people know mm-hmm. that he was planning on coming back which was nice of him i suppose being the leading uh returning receiver mm-hmm. from last year at the tight end position but anyway back to mike epstein yeah um, brett bielema just you know kind of casually threw it out there that yeah he's not he's not on campus right Mm -hmm. now he's not participating in spring ball he's in florida 
where he hails from, taking classes. So Online he's still classes. enrolled in classes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's that. He's still an Illinois student, mm -hmm. which obviously goes a long way to being an Illinois <laughs> athlete. But, yeah, uh, and I, I mentioned this on Sports Talk as well. I think there's probably two ways you can go with thinking about this. Of course, assuming is a bad idea, but that's a big part of what we do as sports writers is assuming things that we don't totally know about. Uh, one is that the just myriad of injuries that mm -hmm. Mike Epstein has suffered throughout his Illinois career are catching up to him, and perhaps he's pondering, you know, maybe it's time to hang it up, kind of in the in a vein of Mikey Dudek, mm -hmm. who just couldn't stop getting injured, basically. Yeah. Um, or two, maybe, uh, even though Brett Bielema said he's welcome back, he's got an invite back, uh, it's basically the ball is in his court. Maybe behind the scenes, uh, Mike Epstein feels there's not really a spot for him in mm -hmm. the Illinois running back room with Chase Brown and Chase Hayden and Reggie Love and all these guys. I mean, Mike, Mike Epstein is still the returning number two or number one B mm -hmm. running back, whatever yeah. you want to call him, with, with Chase Brown. But, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you get a perception from a new coaching staff and who knows what Mike Epstein's first first view, first vibes from that coaching staff were. So he's got a decision to be made, and he's got a little time to make it, but he's obviously not going to be involved with spring ball. Luckily, the season doesn't kick off for uh, for five months. Actually, less than five months now. It's like four months mm -hmm. and 30 days, I guess, right. if you want to be real technical sure. uh, with the Nebraska season opener at all. Um, but, yeah, lots of uh, lots of news coming out from, from spring ball. Colin, how are you just approaching your first spring ball? Do you have the entire roster memorized, your nope. entire <laughs> entire two-deep set already? Nope. You know, you have all the answers, I'm sure. There is no two-deep, uh, according to <laughs> Ryan Walters and according to Tony Peterson. That's fine. There's a two-deep. They're just not going to tell. <laughs> and they, they don't, they're not interested in telling us. Yes, that's, they, they, that's they have an idea on who's going to play and who's going to back up, and obviously they'll use the spring to uh, – to sort some options out, but yeah, they the know way, they, the way they, that Brett Bielema described the spring game that's going to end, well, relatively end spring mm -hmm. practice. He said it would be good against good, which you'd kind of <laughs> hope he would say. I think just hope there's uh, no weird scoring rules. But yeah, there probably will no be. random twenty point gifts to yeah. one team or another. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they do have uh, uh, too deep, but you, know, you you watch guys get the pads on on Saturday. Obviously, the intensity, the physicality was kind of ramped up. I was watching offensive linemen actually knock each other to the, to the ground mm -hmm. on Saturday, which is a little different than the first two spring practices where guys were a little, a little lighter on each other than they probably would have been if they had pads on then. But uh, as guys like uh, Kevin Kane and George McDonald pointed out at the end of last week, you know, getting those pads on really shows you uh, which guys are going to be willing to go for it right off the bat because uh, I think it was McDonald who said, uh, you know, everybody's real tough. Everybody really wants mm -hmm. to get in there when there's no pads on. Yeah. And there's not really that much risk of, you know, actually beating each other up. But once they get the pads on, you, you really get to see who goes for it and who wants to be the most competitive. So I'm guessing that first practice probably told uh, – gave Bielema and his staff some some more impressions mm -hmm. of his guys that they couldn't have previously had because they haven't been in pads at any point since Bielema and the staff got here. Mm -hmm. And now that'll continue throughout the rest of spring ball with, with having pads on. And fill listeners in, I guess, on what you're able to observe sure. during spring ball. You, you've been to, to three workouts so far that they've had. They, the three workouts they've had, they, they basically right. alternated their days. They, they practice one day, then the next day they're focused in on film, on and, film recovery. And, and recovery and mm -hmm. meetings and things like that. Yep. And then the next day they practice. So sure. uh, obviously you're not able to just sit down and plop down a lawn chair on the turf at <laughs> Memorial Stadium and, and watch the whole entire practice at all. But Phil, folks, in on, on what you are able to do in a socially distanced manner. You're actually able to be there, though. Yes, in person. we are physically able to be there Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. 
15 minutes. It's not a lot of time, obviously. You're not going to glean the too deep, like mm-hmm. you said, or anything like that. Unless, like, something significant happens, like two guys get in a fight or something or something <laughs> like that. But you really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, it, it's not it's anything concrete that you can glean. I mean, some guys who have been around the speed a little longer than I have, uh, I feel like uh, they can read into certain situations a little bit more, perhaps see certain guys working with other guys, you know, especially when you look at the, the quarterbacks and the running backs and you see Isaiah Williams working with Chase Hayden or with mm-hmm. Reggie Love. And you see uh, uh, Brandon Peters working with Chase Brown. Obviously, mm-hmm. no Mike Epstein there. Those are probably the biggest things you look at realistically, your quarterbacks and your running backs, just to kind of get an idea who's number one, who's number two, things like that. I know in talking with some guys that we saw on Saturday that Matt Robinson was getting a few more reps at quarterback than he, he might have been getting before. Uh, those, that's kind of the biggest things I think you focus on, really, because it's a little harder to discern, you know, who's number one or number two or whatever from the other position groups. Really, mm-hmm. guys are just going through drills. That's that's what we're that's what we're seeing is guys going through drills. It's more than stretching, which is certainly good. <laughs> the guys are going through five minute uh, phases of drills. Okay. A horn will blow, and then they'll run to a different part of the field or start a different drill or something like that. And it's a lot of. It looks like a lot of technique and stuff, especially for the guys in the non-quarterback uh, and running back room. It looks like a lot of technique-based stuff. I mean, I watched Kevin Kane work with the outside linebackers last week. It was opposite side of the field, so it was kind of hard to see. But I zoomed in on my camera so mm-hmm. I could see it a little better because my eyes are, are garbage. Um, <laughs> but Kevin Kane was like working very intricately with the guys on like footwork stuff, mm-hmm. like very, very yeah. much just trying to get that footwork down, trying to get the the two-point stance versus the three-point stance down, which is something I wrote about. In, in Sunday's News Gazette. So, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of what we're seeing. It's not going to be, like, obvious stuff, like here's the first team rolled mm-hmm. out and they're going to go scrimmage against a clear second yeah. team. There were some referees on the field on Saturday. Um, didn't really get to see them in action, mm-hmm. which... I mean, I didn't like we didn't get to see a scrimmage or anything. Mm-hmm. We were, like I said, we're only there 15 minutes. They're not going to give away all of the, do the, they then, the secrets. Do they then have a big megaphone that says... All you reporters and media get out. Get out? No, they have they have <laughs> Brett Moore and Kent Brown who circle around the stands and tell us to get out, <laughs> which has to be a fun job for them, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it's like I said, not going to you're not going to find out everything you want to know about Illinois football from these practices. But you can actually see guys working out. You can see who maybe is a little more engaged. Mm-hmm. You definitely can see a lot about these coaches and hear how mm-hmm. how vocal they are. I yeah. mean, you can hear almost all these guys. Aaron Henry, especially, very vocal guy. I mean, it helps that his position group his dbs are pretty close to where we we get to stand mm-hmm. but you can just hear guys you can hear Aaron henry you can hear kevin kane you can hear tony peterson uh, you can just hear these guys being vocal and um i mean i obviously have never been to a spring ball before this year so i don't know if lovey smith's staff was always mm-hmm. that vocal i don't know if tim beckman and bill cubitt's staffs were always that vocal but um, it's not quiet in there. I mm-hmm. mean, the guys are definitely making noise. They're talking to each other, and they seem to be actively learning the playbook, which mm-hmm. is certainly what you want to see for a new staff. Well, and you wrote about this in, in Sunday's news because that a little bit, and, and we can expand on it a little more here. And, and mm-hmm. one of the um, one of the fun parts, I guess, of the off season is really kind of diving into the roster and mm-hmm. seeing what tweaks or changes have been made. And yeah, I think right. One of the the more notable ones is the fact that you have a guy like Owen Carney, who was uh, mm-hmm. a second-team All-Big Ten selection last year at defensive end, the team's uh, best pass rusher last year, is now listed as an outside linebacker. Right. Same thing with Isaiah Gay, another defensive end. Seth Coleman. Yep. Seth Coleman, those, exactly. Those what do you What ones. do you kind of take away from, from this? Is this just kind of roster posturing by Bielema, um, or is this more 
Owen Carney is actually going to drop back into coverage more in, in the 2021 season. Yeah, I don't think it's year. posturing. I think it's, it's five guys, Cooper Davis and Ezekiel Holmes are the other two mm-hmm. round out that five. Um, it's just a position change. I mean, and, and Owen Carney himself talked to media last week, and he said sometimes I will be a guy who lines up at defensive end mm-hmm. in certain in certain fronts. That's uh, just the way it is, and Kevin Kane explained it to us. Is they watched film, then mm-hmm. they watched these guys in action with Tank Wright before they did spring workouts, got to see who physically could maybe best handle mm-hmm. uh, the, the duties of being outside linebacker from that defensive line where you're on the line sometimes. You're also dropping back in coverage. Uh, you're harassing the quarterback, doing a little bit of everything, basically. And they figured those five guys were, were the five who would best best do it. So I don't think it's uh, uh, posturing necessarily. I think those five guys, that's they, they have a they have a mm-hmm. new position now. They're not just going to be on on the defensive line, mm-hmm. rushing off the edge like Owen Carney did or what have you. I think their their job title has just been expanded, and mm-hmm. they've got more duties now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, maybe they have a new name for that position that they created all that that has happened in the past kevin kane did talk about that he said they have to earn the right to have a name for the position (laughs) so there you go sounds good i know in the beckman era they had uh they had a position called leo and Mm -hmm. there was another l word that i'm forgetting it was more secondary oriented but the leo was kind of like a stand-up defensive end who could rush the passer at times and Mm -hmm. also drop back at times duan smoot played that position at illinois parlayed that into uh Becoming an NFL uh, defensive lineman with the Jaguars, so we'll see. We'll see what happens, but something to something to keep your eye on. All right, Colin. Uh, well, you, you, you forgot one. You forgot one more position. I change did. That That's why you're the beat writer, about. Colin. We I'm not to, the beat writer anymore. You have, are. I mean, do, I, I, I oh, mean, Caleb Griffin, I I the man I, of. I can't remember if we talked about this last week or the not. The man of That's Danville, the man around town. I feel like we did talk about this last week, perhaps. We, but I think I think we need to every week just have a Caleb Griffin <laughs> reference in the podcast. We're we're having media time with him on Tuesday. Okay, so you're gonna have five stories off of that media availability. <laughs> oh, that's because he he's got good stories. He's yeah. everywhere. Caleb Griffin is everywhere in the world. Yeah. Um. On Saturday, got to watch him get his ankle taped. So that was <laughs> that was quite an experience. <laughs> he just hopped up on the table, kind of looked up into the stands where we were, and was getting his ankle taped. And that was what we saw of him for the 15 minutes. But yeah, Caleb Griffin, the the wide receiver kicker, <laughs> uh, basically. Uh, I feel it's gonna be a movie someday. Yeah, George McDonald talked about how he saw this kid. He was he, he was not really familiar with everybody at the time. This was back before spring ball started mm-hmm. during conditioning with Tank Wright. George McDonald's trying to remember guys based on roster number. He's like, yeah. who the heck's this kid? And he's beating a bunch of people in the drills and things like that. And he said that Mark Tarasani, who's the, the chief of staff for Illinois football, actually encouraged McDonald to ask Brett Bielema to get Caleb Griffin to be a wide receiver. So that long chain basically led to McDonald uh, asking Bielema, could we try out Caleb Griffin in the receiver room? Bielema said, sure. McDonald goes up to Griffin and asks, all right, you're impressing me here, but can you, can you actually run routes and can mm-hmm. you actually catch a ball? So Caleb Griffin responds by uh, overnight, that, that that same night going into the indoor facility and filming himself running routes and sending it to George McDonald, and McDonald was thoroughly impressed by that. So Caleb Griffin is now part of the receiver room, and we'll hear more this week about what that experience is like for him, and I'm guessing he's probably having a lot of fun with it because he's one of those guys, and the Illinois specialist room is kind of like, this is a whole, I think. They don't just see themselves as the specialists. Mm-hmm. They kind of feel, I mean, Blake Hayes had two rushes last yeah. year. I mean, these <laughs> guys Illinois feel... Illinois' best running back at times last season. Yeah, yeah. and uh, these guys are obviously pretty athletic. Caleb Griffin played four sports at Danville. 
I mean, they don't see themselves as just kickers or just mm-hmm. long snappers in Ethan Table's case. They've uh, they've got more talents, and Caleb Griffin is going to apparently get a chance to show his off at receiver. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what transpires with that. He did make a cameo appearance a few times yeah. at the end of last season as a, a punt returner, so he's able to catch the ball. And, That's a good start. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and we've documented his uh, his multi-sport uh, athletic lineage in the past here in, in the News Gazette, but uh, played four sports with the Vikings, mm-hmm. uh, which is almost unheard of uh, in the high school ranks these days, especially at a, a big school like Danville. Played uh, football, boy soccer, was our boy soccer player of the year as a mm-hmm. junior, and then obviously with football, and then uh, was a starting guard wing on the basketball team, yeah. uh, and also starter in baseball as well and revealed his commitment to Illinois during a Danville high school basketball game where you <laughs> had to look at his feet because he wore the yep. Illinois he wore Illinois socks that was how that was he that revealed that I remember that Colin that was uh, I remember Ted Haupt <laughs> being very Ted Haupt was a very basketball. old school basketball coach and he was very much like uh, he was like that's kind of cool but I well, wish he wouldn't have done it during game. one of our games yeah. <laughs> well, Caleb Griffin's always been a, a character to, to cover and uh Eager to see what this next move transpires for him. Yep. What, what else do we need to know about Spring? I, I think we covered it now. I think okay. we've, uh, we'll we'll hear more this week though. We've got media who's the quarterback, time. Alan? Who's the starting quarterback? You're going to uh, hear Westland. that. Qu- you're going to hear that question a lot. <laughs> I don't think Westland's have a, out of eligibility. You don't know that. <laughs> it's true. I mean, Brandon Peters is back for what is sixth season sixth of college year. football. <laughs> Daniel Matador Bebe is going to play a seventh season of college oh football in Kansas That's State. Insane. Uh, but no, who is it, Colin? I need I to know, know now. Brandon Peters is getting number one reps right now. But okay. Isaiah Williams or 1A, 1B again. That's, okay. that's how I see it right now. All right. Very diplomatic answer. I think it's the only answer because anybody who tells you they know for sure what is is lying at this point. Okay. Or they know and they're just not telling us. <laughs> I mean, maybe Brett Bielema and Tony Peterson know. That's I think possible. they'd have a good handle on it. When do you... Uh, Getting a sense, for, and again, it's so different covering this team mm-hmm. in a pandemic because you're not able to meet face-to-face with these coaches sure. or these players at all, but you're having to do this all through Zoom. But just based on your your early interactions with this coaching staff, I guess, when do you anticipate them hoping to have a, a starter in place? I know Tony yeah. Peterson kind of talked about that mm-hmm. leading up to spring ball and just the dynamics that come with, with having one guy be the clear-cut starter. Yeah, they, they, they want a guy to be the clear-cut starter, but the thing is I also don't think they're especially worried about doing it super quickly. Tony Peterson said, you know, if we have one by the end of the spring ball, that's great. Then that means we have a starter for the next mm-hmm. several months yeah. leading up to the Nebraska game. If we don't, not the end of the world. He just wants to make sure they have one, you know, like a week out from the mm-hmm. Nebraska game. That doesn't mean he's going to wait until mid-August to name a starter necessarily, but it also might mean we get through the Monday night spring football finale and they don't have a starter named after that. I mean, it's kind of tough to name a starter when you got two guys who are basically, like I said, 1A and 1B last year who mm-hmm. both got starting duties and who both do very different things with the football. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we end spring ball without a name. I wouldn't be surprised if we end spring ball and after that Monday night game they say, you know what, Brandon Peters is a starter mm-hmm. or Isaiah Williams is a starter. Uh, that Monday night game might go a long way to deciding who that is, and these practices, especially the ones in pads now, will also go a long way to deciding who that is. Just like we're going to have a Caleb Griffin reference every week on this podcast, we're also going to break down the quarterbacks. Well, you never so, know when they so might, get, get might name one. For, get prepared for that, Colin. Exactly. Every week you're going to hear that question <laughs> from me. 
All right, do you want to dive into a game of the past at all, sure. or do you want to do our, our draft next, Colin? How much time do we have? I don't know. Ed, how much time do we have? <laughs> ten minutes. We ten have ten minutes. minutes. All let's right. just do our draft. We'll, you we'll, want to roll into it? Yeah, right. let's just do that, Colin. We'll Ex- save this game of the past. Just know it's from the 2014 season. There's Ooh, a tease a for tease. the future. Ooh, there you go. Um, all right, Colin, set up the topic for this week's draft. All right, so my thought was transfers from non-community colleges because – no offense to community college. Apparently but Colin has something against community college. No, I don't see it as much of a transfer as once you're done with your two years at a community college or a junior college or what have you, you they tell you to kind of get out. Like, yeah. it's it's over. Like, mm-hmm. you, you got to go. Yeah. Like, a, a guy who comes from a Power 5 school or a mid, mid-major type school or mm-hmm. something like that, group they're of, usually got... five. Yeah, they usually FCS got a couple range. years of eligibility left or something okay. like that that they could have used at that school. So my thought was, I was kind of thinking about it, especially since Illinois has added, what, five of those type of transfers during this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to rank those guys because we don't know how they performed yet with Illinois. It would be unfair to put expectations on them. But how about the guys who have come in over the past, you know, five seasons, uh, all Lovey Smith guys. I guess, I guess some, some of them would be Tim, Tim Beckman guys. Mm-hmm. But mostly Lovey Smith guys uh, coming in and uh, from these Power 5 schools and Next five schools, group of five. What ha- group of five schools? Yeah. Let's rank these guys and see uh, see who made the biggest impact at Illinois. Some of them have continued to make an impact at the NFL level. I know there's at least a, a few of these guys who are still playing at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. So that's who we're going to rank. I've got a list of what is this? Uh, 12, Twelve, thirteen guys here. So almost all these guys are going to make it in. But, some uh, won't be. They'll be snubbed. Yeah, yeah. some some will be snubbed. Right. And this isn't all of the transfers. Um, I just kind of based it on you know guys who got quite a few reps as starters, mm-hmm. who made a statistical impact, or at least if you're an offensive lineman, just played a lot of repetitions, <laughs> basically. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what we're doing there. All right, Colin, you're first up. Who's your who's your number one pick? Who are you taking off the board for? Uh, you know what? That's tough. Uh, <laughs> I think I am going to go. I'm gonna go with Hardy Nickerson. Good. First. I'm glad you took. You didn't take my number one pick. Yeah, so. I'm gonna take the Hardy Nickerson first. He's okay. one of those guys who's still playing in the NFL. He's with the Vikings, I believe. He's bounced back and forth between their practice yeah. squad and active roster. Okay, so he uh, transferred in from California. Obviously, uh, with his father, came over here at Illinois. Same name. Yep, Hardy Nickerson as well. Had a good. Uh, that was really hard to differentiate between. The two <laughs> yeah, that's hard was, to write was, about. There wasn't a junior, senior. It was Hardy Nickerson. Was their name? Yeah, Hardy Nickerson. Hardy Nickerson. Yeah. <laughs> Hardy Nickerson, the younger, playing on the <laughs> exactly. defensive side of the ball, um, made a good impact for Illinois. He was one of those. I think he was one of those guys in the Levy Smith tenure who was probably one of their most significant defensive additions from the transfer portal. Um, I don't think that's really a stretch to say. I think yeah. Lovey added more guys on the offensive side of the ball uh, who made more of an impact in the transfer portal, which is kind of strange because Lovey Smith's seen as a defensive-minded coach. But I think he got a bit of a steal here with getting Hardy Nickerson to come over to the program and then also having his father come over yeah. to the program to, to help coach the team as well. So, uh, yeah, Hardy Nickerson taking right. him first. I'm glad you said that because uh, I'm taking a quarterback with my number one pick. Uh, that makes the, sense. There, there's two quarterbacks listed on here, and I was afraid you might take the one that I wanted to take with my first pick. But sure. uh, I think with as the NFL draft has suggested over the years, the number one pick clearly goes to the quarterback. Of so course. The face of the franchise. Jeff George, the et cetera. Exactly. Jeff George is not a transfer. No. Well, he was. he was. Well, he, yeah. Not on this list. Not on this list. No, we're just doing the last five <laughs> yeah, seasons. Not, not the last no, we're not doing 25 the whole, seasons. Yeah, we're just doing the whole five. The last five <laughs> seasons. 
Um, I'm going to go with Wes Lunt, uh, Oklahoma State transfer, yep. Rochester native. Um, I know he had some injuries uh, at times during his Illinois career, but he also dealt with uh, three coaching staffs and three seasons that he was eligible after having to sit out uh, a season upon his transfer from Oklahoma State. Former News Gazette All-State Player of the Year, uh, when he was on, uh, I mean, he could throw, he could make any throw you ever wanted uh, out of the quarterback spot. Yep. Obviously, he wasn't the most mobile quarterback ever. Uh, some offensive line issues probably hindered his productivity at Illinois, but uh, if I had to go with a guy, uh, transfer to kind of start this draft, uh, Wes Lunt uh, is my number one pick, so I'm, I'm going to go with Lunt. Alright, well, my number two pick, I'm staying on the defensive side of the All ball. Right. And apparently likes defenders. I like the defenders, okay. I like the guys who are still in the NFL today, <laughs> that's kind of my, my thought process here, Fair I guess. Uh, Oluwole Butiku. Butiku? Butiku? I, I'm look, looking at the pronunciation right now, and I'm still not even sure I've gotten <laughs> Wally right. Batiku. Wally Batiku? Got it. Done. Is he still in the NFL? Giants, I believe. I know he signed with them. I don't know if he played with them. Though. I thought he was still with the Giants. Maybe. But he at least made it to the NFL, yeah, which is go. it's hard to do. Not yeah. everybody gets to make it to the Good NFL. Um, but he transferred from uh, USC. Mm-hmm. He's not the only guy on this list who did so. Nope. Um, but played just one season on the defensive line at Illinois and was pretty good. All Big Team third, or all Big Ten third team. Mm-hmm. I'll say that ten times fast. Uh, had almost ten sacks in his lone season at Illinois. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty impactful. Yeah. Uh, he was only a redshirt junior when he declared for the NFL draft. So you wish you could have had him around uh, at least an extra year. And then you know, once once COVID happens, who knows mm-hmm. what all. Uh, maybe maybe he's still around here today somehow. Yeah. But obviously he felt like his uh, time was was up at the college level and he can make an impact at the NFL level. And uh, I'll have to go look and see if he's still currently on a roster. But I know he was. <laughs> he was. He did he, sign with the Giants in the NFL. So uh, my number two pick. I'm gonna say on the offensive side of the ball. I've got a quarterback. I need someone to catch his passes. So uh, automatically I'm gonna go with Josh Metatorbebe. Sure. Uh, USC transfer was the. Top receiver, his only two seasons at Illinois. Um, obviously won't play next year after he declared for the, the draft and, and trying to prep for that at all. But his athleticism, his jumping ability kind of speak for itself. Uh, also, too, he had one of the, I would say, one of the more defining moments of Illinois football in the 2010s with his 4th uh, and 17 catch yeah. at Michigan State mm-hmm. and that comeback win that uh, secured the 6th win for Illinois to become bowl eligible. So uh, my second pick, I'm going to go Josh Mandatore, baby. Yeah, after the uh, after Illinois got six or seven tries at the end zone. That set up that uh, it was, touchdown That was just such drive. a weird sequence of plays, and I, I don't know why I, I, why I remember that That's so okay. much, but I do. I was standing in the end zone wondering if right. the game was ever going to it, it almost <laughs> didn't. <laughs> it's um, true. Uh, you have, you've got a quarterback already, which means mm-hmm. I need a quarterback. That would so be helpful. I'll go ahead and take A.J. Bush okay. Jr., Virginia Tech transfer. Um, also Nebraska transfer. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa Western Community College transfer. A guy who I think a lot of hype was placed around when he was brought in. Did he live up to the hype? I, I don't know. I mean, he, he played well. He didn't play, you know, out of this world amazingly well, but he played about as well as you could expect a multi-school transfer quarterback to play, I would think. So mm-hmm. um, you could do much worse at quarterback than A.J. Bush Jr., I'll say that much. Very athletic athlete, uh, kind of a, a bigger maybe mm-hmm. version of Isaiah Williams in yep. a sense. So, uh, yeah, A.J. Bush Jr., got my quarterback spot filled. Yeah, established the single-game rush- rushing record before Isaiah Williams right. broke it this past mm-hmm. season. All right, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball because you do need some some guys to – Sure. To make some tackles. Um, uh, this is kind of a 
I don't know. There's a lot more guys on the offensive side of the ball on this list than there are defense. Yeah, and you took probably the best defender off the board in Batik. <laughs> um, that was my plan. I'm going to go with Jamel President. Okay. Uh, didn't make a huge impact at Illinois. Uh, transferred from Auburn, but did play a few seasons in the NFL. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of going off your theory there. Yeah. Hey, if they're good enough to make it in the NFL, they should be good enough to get drafted. I think, I think that was more of a product team. of just Illinois not being all that good yeah. at the time when he, he was here. He didn't really – he cracked the defensive line rotation, but was never really an impact guy on, mm-hmm. on defense, but had enough athleticism and other intangibles to, to stick around the, the NFL for a few seasons. So – I'll go with Jamel President, plus he's obviously got the, the nickname that lends itself to great marketing campaigns. So uh, there you go. My third pick, Jamel President. All You're right. Next, I like Adam. that. And uh, I'm going to say, or go back to the defensive side of the ball, I should say. I'm going to take somebody who's still on the Illinois roster, Rod Perry the right. second, Rod okay. the Bod. Uh, <laughs> he's he, dynamic personality, first yes, of all, Rod Perry go. is. A lot of fun to talk to. Wish we Wish we got to talk to him more. But uh, yeah, transferred over from South Carolina State, which FCS obviously range. is not uh, is not a Power Five program by any means. Not but even an FBS program. No, and he was he was doing a great job over there. I remember him, I remember hearing him say like he didn't want to leave there, mm-hmm. but his coaches knew they weren't going to be playing because of COVID, and they knew he he had big opportunities ahead of him. So they said, "You go find somewhere to play." He found Illinois, and he turned into an All Big Ten honorable mention pick. So I think that's pretty good. Uh, Pretty good first season in the Big Ten after spending time in a non-FBS uh, program for several years. And uh, let's see if he can do it again in 2021. All right. Uh, I'm going to go back to the offensive side of the ball, and I just changed my mind after writing down I was going to pick this guy. But I'm going to I'm gonna go on the offensive line. Okay. Uh, Richie Pettibon, yeah. uh, transfer from Alabama, brings that, that winning ped- pedigree that he picked up during his time with the Crimson Tide and then started uh, every game on the offensive line at a guard spot in 2019 for a team that ended its season at a bowl game. So pretty good one-season run for yep. uh, the grad transfer there. So I'll go Richie Pettibon with my fourth yep. pick. And I'm, I'm, I'm might be regretting not picking this guy because I think you're going to pick him next. It's possible. But we'll see. Go ahead, Colin, with your last pick. You know, I really want to take the guy who's at the very bottom of this list, and <laughs> obviously nobody will know what that means except for you and I. Maybe but, I take him so uh, we can let the listeners know. <laughs> well, I'm going to take Chase Brown. I knew you would. Um, <laughs> maybe partially because he's a great interview. Like He's really, <laughs> really good with the media. Uh, he seems to appreciate that we have a job to do, and it kind of creates that mutual respect, but also running the ball. He really broke out last season, the Western Michigan transfer. Just had a great, great year. as 1A, 1B to, to Mike Epstein. Uh, you know, he, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, so you kind of think he'd be like a, a shiftier type. But I mean, he he did a little bit of everything. He could bowl guys over, and mm-hmm. he could uh, he could kind of cut around the edge and break a few tackles and things like that. He he really brings kind of a dynamic uh, dynamic feel to the running back position, where you don't know exactly which version of Chase Brown you're going to get each time he hands off the ball. So. Yeah, I think uh, Chase solid Brown's pick. my good number five pick here. Very solid pick. Uh, he dipped lower than I think we probably let him go. Yeah, in the draft. yeah. And I'm I'm gonna end the suspense with what you teased there <laughs> for the guy at the bottom of the list, and I'm gonna take him with our fifth and final I pick, love just it. to just to satisfy our listeners' curiosity out yeah. there. Uh, David Reisner, there it is, kicker. You usually don't waste draft picks on kickers, but that's no. what we're doing here. A Navy no transfer, uh, Illinois native. Uh, from Bartlett, uh, probably most remembered for his game-winning field goal uh, against Penn State in the 2014 season right. that saved Tim Beckman's job for a little bit yeah. before scandal 
cost him his job in right. the, the 20. David Reisner cannot prevent that. Exactly. Um, but had the game-winning field goal against Penn State in uh, the second-to-last game of the 2014 season when Illinois was 4-6 and six and needed a win to keep any chance of a bowl uh, bowl game intact. And then, obviously, they followed up with that with their their win at Northwestern the following week to clinch the spot in the heart of Dallas Bowl. And if David Reisner doesn't barely make that field goal against Penn State on a very cold, windy day in front of a crowd that was not that big at all and would kind of look what you'd think of a pandemic crowd right that, now that at Memorial change, Stadium. That could change a lot of Illinois football history. Because you're talking, about, you're talking yes. about Tim Beckman probably getting fired sooner yes. and not for the same reason. Mm-hmm. And then what does that do with Mike Thomas at AD? Mm-hmm. There's a lot There's a lot of things that probably don't happen or happen at least differently. It all falls on David, David Reisner does not kick that field. David Reisner's right foot. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so you could do... Bobby uh, Smith deep. might never be here. <laughs> that, that's that's, who knows? Very interesting. Um, yeah, I'll go David Reisner, my final pick, so we can satisfy the listener's curiosity there. Yeah. Anything else, Colin? I think we covered it pretty well. All right, we'll be back next week for episode 14 of Inside Atlanta Football. More spring football to talk about. Uh, For Colin, for Matt, thanks for listening. Have a good week, everyone.